John chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 32. We'll pick up some verses through this great chapter. John chapter 6 and verse 32. Let's just pray together as we turn there this morning. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your presence among us. Lord, we pray as we come to your precious word that you would anoint it and you would speak this morning to our hearts. Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, we thank you for the bread of life. Lord, we pray that that bread would truly be broken among us. And Lord, that you would strengthen and encourage and bless, Lord, your people this morning. Lord, for those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, would you speak to them, open their eyes that they might see, unstop their ears that they might hear. Lord, this morning, would you have your way among us? We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. John 6 and verse 32. Then... Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth in me shall never thirst. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things saith he in the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum. True bread. True bread. We read here is heaven sent. Number one. And number two. It gives life. That's true bread. That's true religion. That's true ministry. There is a true. There is a counterfeit. There is a true heaven sent. Life giving ministry. Jesus said. I am. That bread of life. He's teaching this wonderful message in the little town of Capernaum by the sea, the place of so much of the Lord's ministry. They had traveled over the sea just after Christ had fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and, and, and the two fish. He had demonstrated his awesome power over the power of nature. He comes to this little town where so many miracles had taken place. He had healed the demoniac. He had set the prisoner free. That the seas were healed. In Peter's mother-in-law's house. He healed her. Multitudes came to the door. He spake with authority. The place where Christ had performed so many of his great miracles. Demonstrated truly that he was heaven sent. And that he had come. That they might have life. And have it to the full. In verse 63, there in chapter 6, he said, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, 
and the flesh it profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. At the end of this discourse and this great message in John 6, 66, it simply says these words, From that time, many of his disciples, his followers, went back and walked no more with him. The bread of life was before them. Heaven sent, life-giving. Jesus, that is God in Christ. Him in whom the Godhead bodily dwelled. In verse 26 of John 5, it says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself. Christ among them in power, in miracles, heaven sent, life-giving. Yet in the discourse, if you read through it, time and time, as the multitudes gathered, just as he come off that sea after feeding the 5,000, he turned to them and said, you're not here for the miracles. You're here for your own belly. You're here for yourself. There was no purpose in him, them following him, but there was a selfish ambition which the Lord knew. The Bible tells us in John 10 and 10 that the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Life, life was before them. Heaven sent and here he came to give life. It was the life they could not receive because their ambition or their selfish motive blocked them from coming to that life. Here the Son stands before them. The Bible tells us, He that hath the Son, what's he got? He's got life. He that is not the Son of God, he is not life. In this Christ, in this man standing before them, the Bible tells us, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right before them was the answer to every life. In their midst, performing great miracles beyond what any man had ever seen. Heaven sent, life-giving Jesus Christ. Yet, as he stands there, and as they sought the scriptures, and as they searched through they could not come to find this life. Jesus prophesies of Capernaum in Matthew 11 and verse 23. This is what he says. And thy Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, it would have remained even until today. It's awesome. Right before them is the answer. In their midst is the fullness of God in Christ, the almighty power and the living Christ before them. The bread of heaven has come. And yet, because of their own selfish ambition, they could not grasp this life. The bread of life the revelation of that bread is profound. 
we were partaking of the Lord's table this morning, you noticed that there was a slight change on how we distributed the emblems. But we took a loaf and we break the loaf and we served that loaf to you and I this morning. In Matthew 26, if you turn on 26, Matthew 26, 26, I want to bring, if I could this morning, just what the Lord has been putting on my heart for a few days concerning the bread and the breaking of the bread. In Matthew 26 and 26, Christ is coming very near to that point where he would go to the cross. He's about to bring us this great revelation of the breaking of the bread. In Matthew 26 and 26, he says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and Jesus blessed the bread, and Jesus broke the bread, and Jesus gave the bread to his disciples. He said these words, Take eat, this is my body. Of course, we know this morning, that this literally did not become the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ that is practiced today, particularly in the Roman Catholic Church. There was a symbolism and there was a revelation that was profound that the Lord would want to bring to 12 men sitting around a table. He had taught them in John chapter 6 that he is the bread that's come from heaven and he has come that we might have life. When he lifted up a loaf or a wafer, whatever way that was in that upper room, and when he broke, when he lifted it up, and when he took that bread, and when he gave thanks for that bread, there was something profound in the revelation that he would want to share with the twelve men that were before him. He blessed it. And as he blessed it, he took that bread, and then he broke the bread. And as he broke that bread, he began to serve that bread to each of those 12 men. It's actually so simple, but yet it is so profound. It is everything of the revelation of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It spoke of him who would be broken and spilled out for everyone in this world. Number one, he took the bread. The Bible tells us that he is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. There's only one lamb, and that's Jesus Christ. John the baptizer said, Behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's God's lamb. As they would look in Egypt, and they would search out the lamb without spot and without blemish, chosen and absolutely perfect before an almighty God. Here's God's Lamb, Jesus Christ, without spot or without blemish. Not only was he God's Lamb, but he was blessed. The Bible says, as he came up out of the river Jordan, being baptized by John the baptizer in Matthew 3 and 16, it says the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
It's never opened in any other man or woman in this globe that's ever been born. But it opened over Christ. He is blessed. And that body that was given was broken. He was bruised. He was beaten. Stripes were laid upon his back. He gave his back to the smiters. Not one bone was broken, but that body was broken. And it was spilled out for a world that rejected him. What a savior. And as the blood flowed from a broken body on a central cross for every human in this world, and as that precious blood flowed down and touched this sin-cursed world, as the wee song says, flowers of hope sprang up for men in misery. Truly we can say with a hymn writer, what a savior, what a savior. He was broken, not till the body was broken. Understand this, not till the body was broken could the virtues of the cross reach a world in sin and in degradation. Not till it was given, not till it was broken, could it be served. As he stands in the upper room with that bread, and as he blessed it, and as he had taken it, and as he had broken it, and he went round the room, even the one that would betray him, and ultimately all would desert him, he was bringing forth one of the great revelations and truths of the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And as they sit and they look upon him, and as they take part in that communion, and as they look and the revelation of that body is closed to them in some manner, within a short space of time, the one whom they followed would be betrayed by one who was chosen and in that room. All would have denied him. All would have deserted him. All would have turned their back on him. Yet the revelation of the body had been brought. And as he looked and set his face as a flint to Jerusalem, and as he walked that road in the way of suffering, and as the crowds mocked and laughed and he was beaten, the Lamb of God, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, his body was broken that it might be served to the world. He gave it to them. Part of that one bread, this do ye in remembrance of me. The body of Christ the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 and 23 that his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17, Paul writes these words, For we being many are one bread, and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. This revelation of the partakers of one body has almost, not exclusively, but almost been lost in a modern church world, particularly in the West. 
What do you mean by that? If you turn this morning to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to share something that uh, it's not original in any way, but I believe it to be true. And there is a great emphasis on this chapter concerning the last days because it's speaking of the last days. Most people, not wrongly but rightly, see the interpretation in a physical and a literal way. I believe that's right. But like so many scriptures, there's not only a physical and literal interpretation, there's also a spiritual interpretation. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's two. So in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, Paul's now given us an insight into the last days. He says that no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. That's the coming of the Lord, except there come a falling away first. Anyone seen the falling away? Then it says, and that man of sin be revealed. The church age has debated these scriptures for centuries. I'm not saying that I have the full revelation on it. I don't. But the Bible's clear that there be a man of sin revealed and the son of perdition. And this is what that looks like. Paul goes further with the man of sin and the son of perdition who opposeth and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Now the question of course is where is the temple of God? Immediately in the literal interpretation of this we'll rightly so consider the temple that was in Jerusalem. And so that is right. But I believe not only in the literal interpretation, but also in the spiritual interpretation of this verse. It speaks first of all of a falling away. That literally happens. It's a spiritual departure. It's an apostasy in the last days. It's happening, friends. It's not going to happen. It's happening. But every time Paul teaches on the temple of God in his writings, he always refers to a spiritual temple. Isn't that right? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Who's that? That's us. That's 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. And the Spirit of God dwells within us. The parallels here are clear. John 2 and 19, if you look at the parallels of the physical and the spiritual, you'll see here that John records this. Jesus said unto them, John 2 19, destroy this temple. In three days I'll raise it up. Now he's talking, everyone's thinking he's referring to the temple in Jerusalem. But what was he referring to? Himself. Three days. You destroy this. Praise the Lord. Three days. I'm going to raise it up. Death can't hold me. Then the Jews said, of course, because the logical mind came and said, but 46 years was the temple in the building. And will you rear it up again in three days? And then the Bible says, but he spake of the temple of his, his body. 
Matthew 24, of course, Jesus made a very clear prophetic warning that fulfilled in AD 70 when he said, Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That literally came to pass in AD 70. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4 not only speaks of the physical, but I believe there's a spiritual revelation that we need to see. First of all, there's a spiritual departure. There's an apostasy in the last day. Brothers and sisters, I, I believe what we're well informed and we're well uh, within the, the revelation of this last day. There's a, there's a falling away like has never been seen before. It's all around us. Would you say amen if you believe that? It's very clear. It's, it's not that we need great insight or great gifts of discernment. We see a departure from the faith. It's tragic. But that's the day we're in. That's the day we're living in. That's the generation to which we have come. In the last days, there will be a great falling away. The love of many will wax cold. Why? Because the iniquity of sin shall abound. The iniquity that is abounding today beyond any other day that we have known. I am convinced there have been many dark days, but I do not believe that there's been a day such as this one for perversion and for the depths of sin that there is available all around us. Never seen it before. I'm thankful. In some ways I say, and I've said this often, I'm thankful I was saved when I was saved. I would not like, I say this, I would not like to be 18, 19, growing up in this world. My world that I grew up in was filled with sin. But the availability and the ease by which you can access sin today is, is like it's beyond what we've ever seen. And so we pray for our young people. We pray because the Lord can keep them and the Lord can sustain them and the Lord can bring them through and they can live a life of victory. Because Jesus is all we need. So when we come to all the apparatus of church life, could I tell you, friends, Jesus is all you need. When you come to the house of God, what do you look for? I look for Jesus because Jesus is all I need. And so today it's become a different setup. Jesus is not enough. Let me tell you, Jesus is enough. But we're being conditioned by a worldly system that's creeping in to the church today that tells us that he's not enough. We need something more. I want to tell you, friends, he's all I need. He satisfies. Every need supplies. Jesus, the old ones are the best ones. He's all that I need. And so when he talks of a falling away, it's all around us. We see it happening. The great departure. 
Thank God there's a loving father. There's a merciful God. What did the prodigal say when he was in? Is there not bread in my father's house? Remember what he thought? There's enough. There's enough. Remember the bread. But this man of sin and this revelation that comes, of course there's the physical, I believe that. There's the literal, I believe that. But I honestly believe what I'm about to say to you. I also believe this is spiritual. In that house, that temple, the temple of God, spiritual, we'll see in the last days, we are seeing and we will see. We'll see a manifestation of the flesh like has never been seen before. Where will you see it? You will see it in the temple of God. This is the manifestation of that in the last day. He opposeth and exalts himself against everything else which is God. What does that mean? He sits in the temple of God as if he is God. It's all, remember, they crossed the sea. They seen the miracle. They, they searched out Jesus in Capernaum. And Jesus says, this isn't about me. This is about you. It's called the flesh. It opposes, it exalts, it sits as God in the temple, acting as if he or she is God. In other words, it's everything to do with him, but it's not anything to do with him. It's what he wants. He thinks he is God. He's right. No one can tell him. He points that finger. He accuses. He murmurs. He complains. He searches even the scriptures but he's never satisfied. He must be pleased. He must be recognized. But he never sees. Listen, what he never sees. This is what he never sees. He never sees that he is a part, but he's not the whole. If this bread is one, and I give that to David, and David holds that bread, it's already been broken, and he holds that bread. What use is that bread if that bread is never broken, served to everybody else? We can sit all day and David can say, I've got the loaf, I'm the bread, it's about me. It's just all about me and what I think and what I want to do. But Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. He broke it. And then he served it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is a far cry from the upper room, is it not? 
when a man got down on his knees with a basin and a towel and said, I'm going to wash your feet. The man of sin that sits in the temple of God as though he is God, and he's right in his own eyes, he doesn't have to be part of anything, doesn't have to serve in any way. But everything of what this is, this is the Western church today. It's all about trying to accommodate me. It's so far from what Christ set up, what he instituted, and what example he said. This is my body. It's given for you. It's the opposite today. It's all about, what can you do for me? Can you satisfy me? Can you keep me happy? Can you accommodate me? I have a range of ministries. I remember a man came, sat and said, I just want to be used. I said, well, look, come along. Be part of it. Once I said that, he's gone. I don't want to be part. I don't want to have to serve. I don't want to have to serve you. I just want someone to recognize me. Put me up here, friends. And this is it. I want to tell you something. It's so far from what Christ began. When he got on his knees with a basin, Stephen, when he washed the other's feet, and when Peter says, you'll not wash me, and Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. Is it so far away from where we are? It's the end time church. I want to talk about this for a moment. It's ministry driven. It's ambitious. It's position without service. Recognition without sacrifice. Elevation without submission. I want to be used. But I don't want to have to serve. It's self. self Self-promoted. Self-appointed. Selfishly driven. Friends, this is the ministry of a 21st century, but it is not the ministry that Jesus established in an upper room. He was broken and he was poured out. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. He gave it. If ever there was a day And I believe it's going to happen. That the world need to see what true ministry is. It's today. Jesus said in Luke 11, I think it's been prayed already this morning. Which of you shall have a friend, shall go to him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, I need bread. Let me tell you, friends, see all around us today in a broken world. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for bread. That's not The physical, that's the spiritual, that's heaven sent and that is given. Heaven sent and given for others. That bread and that breaking of that bread is truly what service is. It's broken not for themselves, but that Jesus not gave himself for others. Did he give himself for you? And so he set up the example of what true service is, what it is to give, what it is to serve, what it is to be there for one another, to be broken. Friends, is that your life? Is that my life? That it's given for others? Is that not the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Is that not true ministry that the church needs to experience and operate in? That I am not here for me, but I am here for you. And you are here for me and each other. 
Is that the ministry of Jesus Christ? Is that the ministry that the world needs to see? That it's broken and it's spilled out for others. This is my body. Hebrews tells us, a body thou hast prepared for me. What for? What's that body prepared for? To do thy will, O God. Not my will, but thine be done. Friends, what an example he has set. What a saviour he is. But truly, are we broken and given for others? Or truly, is it just all about ourselves? Jesus set the example. Let us live that life in the light of that example, following him. This is the body that was broken for me. This is the life that I should live then for others. Some might say, so what do we do? What to do? Serve someone else. When you come, we're here to exalt Jesus in the function of that. Then serve someone else. Encourage someone else. Meet with someone else. Pray for someone. Let them know you're praying for them. Well, he's not on my group. Well, then get him on your group. Encourage someone. If someone's not here this morning, would you give them a wee text and say, we missed you. That's the pastor's job. No, it's not. If you see someone struggling, don't just walk on. Stop. Sit down. Can I pray with you? If you see someone missing, phone them. If you see there's a place in the church that needs more support, get involved in it. Be committed to it. Be submitted to it. Give yourself to something, but do it with all your heart and all your hand. Friends, we're living in a day and an age where it's dog eat dog out there. Is it not right? Where it's the rat race. Who's going to get to the top? That's not the kingdom of God. It's who's going to serve. Who's going to serve? As the wee song says, we close with this this morning. I will serve thee. Let me tell you what that means. You'll treat this body the way you'll treat Jesus because this is his body. And how you treat this, how you treat one another, how we treat each other is how we're treating Jesus. And that may change just how you think and what you say. Because this is the body of Christ. And wherever it meets in this fashion, regardless of the name above the door, where it meets, where Jesus is everything, that is the body of Christ. That is the body of Christ. It may not look like it to you. You might think certain things about it. But let me tell you, where they're washed in the blood and they're born of the Spirit, that is the body of Christ. And so we're here to serve. We're here to give. We're here to offer. We're here, and here's another word. We're here to sacrifice. It's been lost. Sacrifice. It's been lost. We're here to sacrifice these lives for his glory, for the extension of his kingdom.
I will serve thee. Why? Because I love thee. Is that your desire this morning? To serve him because you love him. Let's give him our lives afresh this morning, remembering this great sacrifice that his body was given, that it was broken to be given for others. Is that your life this morning? Is that how you live? Is that how you serve? I don't see it any other way, friends, but what I see in here, in this man, Jesus, this is how he served. This is how he lived. This is ministry. This is ministry. We're not just a part. If you come here, you're just a loaf. If you're just the loaf, I'm the bread. No, you're not, friend. You're a part of one bread. All those parts are vital. Let's serve them together this morning. Let's stand together. In Jesus' name.